My name is Anthony P. Richards. I'm a pastor and I started this podcast channel to equip, encourage, inspire and challenge you to passionately live to your potential in Christ through the Word of God. For more information, you can go to my YouTube channel, Anthony P. Richards. Welcome as we continue our journey through the book of Esther today. And we are going to be looking at Esther chapter 2. We've just had an amazing opening in Esther chapter 1 where the king, uh, this this power drunk and literally drunk king decides to show off his wife, prove that she's the most beautiful woman. And uh, she says, I'm not doing it. I'm not going to let you make a fool of me or you. And it sets the stage for Esther to enter the scene. Esther doesn't make, she's nothing in chapter 1. But uh, we see some amazing things starts to happen here in chapter 2. So let's start off with verse 1. After these things, when the wrath of King Ahasuerus subsided, he remembered Vashti, what she had done and what had been decreed against her. And then the king's servants who attended him said, Let beautiful young virgins be sought for the king and let the king appoint officers in all the provinces of his kingdom that they may gather all the beautiful young virgins to Shushan, the citadel, into the women's quarters under the custody of Hegai, the king's eunuch, custodian of the women, and let beauty preparations be given them. Then let the young woman, woman who pleases the king be queen instead of Vashti. And this thing pleased the king, and he did so. Yes, appealing to men's most basic instinct, I'm sure it pleased him a lot. Now, after these things, we have to understand a little bit of chronological significance here. This is not just after the end of chapter 1. There's about a four-year gap between the end of chapter 1 and the beginning of chapter 2. And during that four-year gap, King Ahasuerus had made a very ill-fated attempt to win a war with Greece, and he had invaded Greece, and he came home and he was defeated. So his life was not going well because he was not a wise man and he made bad choices. So what does he do? He says, oh, okay, I'll... Let's, let's get a whole lot of virgins together and we'll see if we can find, find me a new queen. The, the plan was to get this harem together of beautiful women from all over the, the kingdom and to bring them to the king so that he could choose the one that he wanted. It was basically like a, you know, Miss Persian Empire contest, David Guzik puts it. And whoever the winner was was going to be queen and not Vashti. So, there was about 400 women selected, uh, is what the Jewish historian Josephus tells us. So then we get on to verse 5. In Shushan the citadel, there was a certain Jew whose name was Mordecai, the son of Jair, the son of Shimei, the son of Kish, a Benjamite of the 12 tribes. Kish had been carried away from Jerusalem with the captives who had been captured with the Jeconia king of Judah, whom Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had carried away. And Mordecai had brought up Hadassah, that is Esther, his uncle's daughter, so that makes Esther his cousin, for she had neither father nor mother. The young woman was lovely and beautiful, and when her father and mother died, Mordecai took her as his own daughter. So he came to Persia, Mordecai did, in one of the waves of relocation that the Babylonians imposed on Judah when it conquered that land and said, uh, you know, you're going to go. That's when you read in Jeremiah uh, chapter 29 and you're going to go to Jerusalem. Uh, sorry, you're going to go uh, to Babylon and you're going to be there for 70 years. 
um, that there was, this is during all that whole time period. And he starts raising Esther, who is his cousin, as his own daughter. And um, Baldwin says this about the symbolism of her name. Esther, whose Jewish name Hadassah means myrtle, and the Persian name Esther means star. In prophetic symbolism, the myrtle would replace the briars and thorns of the desert, so depicting the Lord's forgiveness and acceptance of his people in Isaiah 41 and 55 and Zechariah chapter 1. They were part of the large Jewish community that was forced to relocate out of Judah and didn't decide to return with Ezra. In the day of Mordecai and Esther, the land of Judah was regarded as a wild and backward place. So this young woman, she's beautiful, she's lovely. And it means that the the Hebrew word means physically she was beautiful to look at. And when you think about the Bible always constantly understating things, you'd have to imagine if the Bible says she was beautiful to look at, she must have been incredibly beautiful. So then we get on to verse 8. So it was when the king's command and decree were heard, and when many young women were gathered at Shushan the citadel under the custody of Haggai, that Esther also was taken to the king's palace into the care of Haggai, the custodian of the women. She didn't have a choice. Esther had no choice. There would have been times in this story, time and time again, when Esther would have said, God, I can't believe you're letting this happen. I'm going to get pulled into this harem and and the king's going to sleep with 400 women and I'm going to have to be one of them and then he's going to pick one of us and discard the rest. So I'm going to have to lose my virginity and I'm going to basically be you know um, defiled by this horrible king for his purposes. I can't see possibly, God, how you could be in this. You would have to imagine that there's times where she's thinking this. Haggai was a eunuch. That means... Uh, <laughs> He was a man entrusted with oversight of the king's harem for very obvious reasons. Uh, he was not a threat. Now, this sets the stage here for Esther's next part of the journey. Because as we go into verse 9, something happens immediately with Esther as she enters into the I guess you could say the oversight of Haggai. The young woman pleased him and she obtained his favour. So he readily gave beauty preparations to her besides her allowance. In other words, he gave her a little extra. And then seven choice maidservants were provided for Esther from the king's palace and he moved her and her maidservants, maidservants to the best place in the house of the women. Immediately, Esther it, it finds herself with favour from Haggai the man who's in authority over her. And you know, her, her godliness was ensuring a fulfillment of something that we read in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 3. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart and so find favour and high esteem in the sight of God and man. So here's Haggai. He's showing her favour. Maybe she didn't want favour. Maybe she was like, I just want to just blend in the background and get out of this mess as much as as easily as I can. But she is given favour. She's given extra beauty preparations beyond her allowance and he gives her maidservants to look after her. And she was already beautiful to begin with. 
So I, I can't imagine how she would have looked after she had gone through months and months and months of beauty preparation. So we get on to verse 10. Esther had not revealed her people or her family, for Mordecai had charged her not to reveal it. And every day Mordecai paced in front of the court of the women's quarters to learn of Esther's welfare and what was happening to her. Now, this is where we start to get into why do we do certain things when God asks us that don't make sense. Normally, there would never be a good reason for hiding that we are Christians. Um, Guzik says that far too many Christians act as if they are secret agents and they always conceal who they are in the Lord. But you have to understand what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, verse 32 and 33, that if you confess him before men, he will confess you before the Father. And if you deny him before men, he will deny you before the Father in heaven. So you cannot live a life of denying who you are in Christ and expect God to recognize you when you get to eternity. But Mordecai had told Esther, don't tell them who you are until there's a certain time, not knowing what that time was going to be. But he knew there would be a time in the future and it wasn't now. So there are similar times for us where we have to be maybe reticent about uh, revealing our Christian identity, not because we're trying to conceal it, but because we're waiting for the right opportune moment to reveal it so that it has its most maximum impact. And this is what Mordecai was trying to do with Esther. There, If you think about it in today's modern terms, let's say a Jehovah's Witness or a Mormon comes to your, your front door. Do you want to tell them straight away that you're a Christian? Or do you want to just let them speak, get it all out, and then you can tell them you're a Christian and so that now your your statements have more of an impact? Um, also, I think about missionaries. I know I have many friends who are missionaries in very dangerous places in the world and they would just not be allowed to keep their lives if they just walked around and announced, hi, I'm a Christian. They have to very carefully uh, reveal that they are Christians to people that they have built trust with and through certain circumstances. So Mordecai had a, an understanding of the eternal purposes of God. And so he still loved Esther. He knew that she was his responsibility. And so he would pace at the front of the women's quarters to make sure that she was okay. And he had a great deal of love and concern for her because she was in a very dangerous place. So then we move on to verse 12. Each young woman's turn came to go into King Ahasuerus after she had completed 12 months preparation according to the regulations for the women. For thus were the days of their preparation apportioned, six months with oil of myrrh and six months with perfumes of preparations for beautifying women. Thus prepared, each young woman went to the king and she was given whatever she desired to take with her from the women's quarters to the king's palace. And in the evening she went, and in the morning she returned to the second house of the women, to the custody of Shashgaz, the king's eunuch who kept the concubines. And she would not go into the king again unless the king delighted in her and called for her by name. Persia, modern-day Iran and the empire, was one of many countries at that particular time very famous for its aromatic perfumes and the ancient customs that it had for preparing brides baths that they would have, their eyebrows would be plucked, uh, their hands and feet would be painted with henna, they would have certain facial makeup uh, applied, uh, they would have beautifying paste put all over their body, which was meant to lighten the colour of their skin uh, to remove spots and blemishes. 
One of the reasons that they took 12 months to prepare was they wanted to make sure that if anybody came in and was pregnant, that the baby would be born and the king couldn't be accused of fathering the child or charged with fathering the child. And Matthew Poole actually points out something very, uh, I always love it when theologians and uh, people who write incredibly deep things say things that are just incredibly uh, obvious, but we don't think about them. He says that the oils and perfumes were necessary because the bodies of men and women in these hot countries did of themselves yield a very ill scent if it was not corrected and qualified by some form of art. <laughs> in other words, they stank unless you put something on them. There you go. So here's Esther. She's got a year's worth of beauty treatments at the local spa. And their destiny was to spend one night with the king and that was it. And then he had to choose. And if she chose one out of the 400, then she would be his companion. Now, as for the other 399, they were going to be banished to a harem where they would stay the wife or concubine of the king, but they would probably, most likely, never see him again, and they would never be free to marry another man, and they would basically live as a widow for the rest of their life. Horrible. Absolutely horrible. So then we move on to verse 15. Now, when the turn came for Esther, the daughter of Abihail, the uncle of Mordecai, who had taken her as his daughter to go into the king, she requested nothing but what Hegai, the king's eunuch, the custodian of the women, advised. And Esther obtained favor in the sight of all who saw her. So Esther was taken to King Ahasuerus into his royal palace in the 10th month, which is the month of Tebeth in the seventh year of his reign. The king loved Esther more than all the other women, and she obtained grace and favor in his sight more than all the virgins. And so he set the royal crown upon her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. Then the king made a great feast, the feast of Esther, for all his officials and servants, and he proclaimed a holiday in the provinces and gave gifts according to the generosity of a king. Now, watch the wisdom of Esther here. I have no doubt that she's really not excited to be a part of this part of the story. But she listens to what Haggai the eunuch says for her to bring. He gave her advice. She followed the advice. She had a very humble wisdom that was being displayed. And she obtained favor in the sight of all who saw her because of her godliness, because of her beauty. And... Then she obtains grace and favor in his sight more than all the virgins. So because of that, she gets selected to be the queen. If you think about Esther's life up until this point, it really had been incredible. Okay, She's the child of Jewish exiles, and they both die. She gets raised by her cousin in a foreign country that's hostile to her people. She's taken without any choice whatsoever, into the king's harem. She finds favour with everybody she meets. She is then selected to be the queen of the empire. None of this was an accident. It wasn't just because of luck or good fortune or the fact that she looked beautiful. 
uh, or she had an amazing personality or intelligence. God had a plan and Esther was part of the plan. Psalm 75, for exaltation comes neither from the east nor the west nor from the south, but God is the judge and he puts one down and exalts another. Guzik says this, in exactly the same way, we have a place in God's plan. Wherever you are right now, God has a purpose for it. Maybe a short purpose or maybe a long one. Perhaps a large purpose or perhaps a small one. But God does have a reason. The story of Esther shows us that God will use anybody and anything, including including evil men, to carry out his plan. God did not make Ahasuerus drunk. God did not make Ahasuerus demand that Vashti come and show off in an inappropriate way. But God allowed the wicked action of Ahasuerus to fulfill a purpose in God's greater plan for mankind. And we can start to find some assurance in an absolute God truth that nobody, no matter how evil they are, can defeat God's plan for our lives. No matter what they've done to you or no matter what they want to do to you. Okay, verse 19. When virgins were gathered together for a second time, Mordecai sat within the king's gate. Now Esther had not revealed her family and her people, just as Mordecai had charged her, for Esther obeyed the command of Mordecai as when she was brought up by him. So here's Mordecai. He's in the king's gate. What does that mean? That means that he was part of the decision makers of the um, kingdom. He, He was a man of influence. He was allowed to sit at the gate and come within the gates. So he himself is rising to prominence. Now Esther doesn't reveal who she is. Uh, Some people think that the book of Esther takes concealment too far. Let Let me just look at a little, a couple of reasons as to why the name of God may not be in the book of Esther. Because the word Yahweh, the word God, is not in it. I'm going to read to you from David Guzik. Some say that the name of God was left out of Esther because of its use in the festivities surrounding Purim, where people commonly became drunk. One rabbi taught a man is obligated to drink on Purim until he's unable to distinguish between blessed by Mordecai or cursed be Haman. Some have wondered if in that atmosphere it would be too easy to profane the name of God if it were to be read at such a festival. Others see the name of Yahweh, Y-H-W-H, which is actually how the, the name is spelt, hidden in acrostics based on the initial and final letters of successive words in Esther chapter 1 verse 20, chapter 5 verse 4, chapter 5 verse 13, and chapter 7 verse 7. In some manuscripts, the letters in these words are written a little bit larger to give them prominence. Perhaps also Esther does not contain the name of God because it was written under Persian rule and for distribution in the Persian Empire. Most likely, Esther doesn't have the name of God because it shows how God works behind the scenes. God is always active in Esther, even though it is behind the scenes. Uh, And I think that's a wonderful summation of it. Okay, let's move on to verse 21. In those days, while Mordecai sat within the king's gate, two of the king's eunuchs, 
Bigthan and Teresh, doorkeepers, became furious and sought to lay hands on King Ahasuerus. So the matter became known to Mordecai, who told Queen Esther, and Esther informed the king in Mordecai's name. And when an inquiry was made into the matter, it was confirmed, and both were hanged on a gallows, and it was written in the book of the Chronicles in the presence of the king. Now, Mordecai's attitude could have been that, that somebody was going to hurt the king, and he didn't like the king because the king had basically defiled Esther. And, and you know, he didn't know what was going on behind the scenes. None of it had been revealed. So he would have just seen Ahasuerus as a pagan king, and he finds out that somebody's trying to kill him, and he could have just said, well, I don't care if somebody kills him, I don't like him anyway. No, he fulfilled the same thought that Peter wrote in, in the New Testament, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 17, fear God and honour the king. So that's what he did. And there was a threat of assassination against Ahasuerus. And interestingly enough, that was a real threat because Ahasuerus actually was eventually murdered by his own prime minister, who then placed Artaxerxes the first onto the throne. Now, the word gallows, we need to talk about this because this plays a huge part in the rest of the book of Esther. The two eunuchs who were trying to kill or had plotted to kill the king were hanged on a gallows, not the way we think of hanging on a gallows. No, way, way worse, way, way, way worse. Okay, they were impaled on a stake, just like being crucified. But let me read to you what it actually involved, and this is not for the faint of heart, I'll tell you that. A pointed stake is set upright in the ground and the culprit is taken and placed on the sharp point and then pulled down by his legs till the stake that went in at the fundament, yes, that part of your body, passes up through the body and comes out through the neck, a most dreadful species of punishment in which revenge and cruelty may glut the utmost of their malice. The culprit lives a considerable time in excruciating agony. Yeah. Now, you have to understand there's a reason why I'm telling you that because this actually plays a part and the way they died plays a part in the rest of the story. Part of my observation for today is I love the consistency that both Mordecai and, and Esther showed through the whole book to always honour the king, even when the king was doing things they didn't like. They still found a way to honour him. Uh, and just the same way Vashti did. Vashti honoured the king by not embarrassing him. He just didn't like it. Now you've got God using that to place Esther into a position of preferential treatment and uh, really set the scene for an amazing story. Heavenly Father, thank you uh, for this wonderful consistency that Esther and Mordecai, Mordecai always showed. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening. For more content, please don't forget to check out my YouTube channel, Anthony P. Richards. Have a great day.